0: Welcome to Simpler Bible, a daily journey to biblical understanding. Welcome to episode 10. Today we are in Genesis 18 and 19. We're going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, This is oddly like a very popular children's story. Like I remember being taught about Sodom and Gomorrah when I was a kid and maybe they just wanted to scare us out of sin or something. I don't know, but I don't hear Sodom and Gomorrah being taught very much as an adult all the time. I, I like I can picture uh the the storybook pages and the coloring pages from when i was a kid in church so why this is a very popular children's story i don't know uh, but it's there's a lot in it and there's a lot for us to learn so not quite as theological heavy uh, theologically heavy as the last 2 days we've had but Sodom and Gomorrah Genesis 18 begin reading with me in 18:1 The Lord appeared to him that's Abraham by the oaks of oaks of Mamre, as he sat by the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, three men. Now, there are three men. We're going to learn here in a moment that two of them are angels. I'm always afraid I'm going to spell that as angles. You ever do that? So maybe I did just then. No, I think we're good. So three of the three men appear to Abraham. Two, are, we're going to learn in a minute, are angels. The other one is going to be the Lord. It keeps saying it's the Lord. I do not believe that this is the Father. I don't believe that this is God the Father because we learn later in the Scripture that no one's seen the Father and lived. Even when um, Moses in, in Exodus wants to see the glory of God, God covers Moses up and then passes by him so he can only see back backside of God. So maybe this is the first or a physical manifestation of Jesus. Um, but anyway, the, it's the Lord. So the Lord and two angels. And... The Lord. We'll put that note there. So we'll remember it when I'm writing the blog later. All right. So verse two, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, take three sillas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the young man and prepared it quickly. And then they took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. That's interesting because uh, we don't see that very often in the scripture. There are a couple of other places where food is presented to either angels or to the angel of the Lord, and they don't eat it and so that's an interesting statement and I don't know what to make of it verse 9 they said to him where is Sarah your wife and he said she's in the tent the Lord said I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah your wife will have a son all right a couple of things we know that Abraham is 100 years old when Isaac is born all right we know that when we left off Abraham in uh, the previous chapter in chapter 16 that he was 99 so if you consider 99 and 100, that's two whole years. That's two whole years of potential life from the day he turns 99 to the day he quits being 100, two whole years. So from from the previous chapter to this chapter, not a lot of time has passed, right? Because he says about this time next year, we're going to come and your wife will have a son. About this time next year, we can, we can know about how long gestation period is for the, the human female, right? And so she'll be pregnant in about two and a half, three months, and then she'll have a baby about this time in a year. So this is all pretty close to the story we just left off with in chapter 16. This is not very long after that. Maybe just three months later, at most, at most, you're talking like, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 months later, this is pr- relatively close in time frame. All right. If he had just turned 99 when he was circumcised and his son had just turned 13, you know, maybe 12, 15 months. I don't know, but it's, it's not a long period of time. That's important to note. Maybe not for you. I like, again, the timelines. So Verse 10, the Lord said, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. That's an understatement. Abraham is 99 at this point. Sarah is 89 at this point. And the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. She's no longer having her period. The idea of her being able to be pregnant is past the realm of possibility. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, am I, am, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall we have this pleasure? And there is so much in that that makes me laugh. If you're not finding that verse a little bit funny, then she's like, look, I'm worn out. My husband's old. Come on. (laughs) This is probably not going to happen at this point. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And uh, say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? And I love verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer to that, of course, is no. And that theme will come up a couple more times in the scripture, as you might expect. The rest of verse 14 says, At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year. This is the next time he said that. He's going to say that multiple times. We'll see that again in a few chapters. At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. But he said, No, you did laugh. And the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and see how familiar this is, the end of verse 18, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. Remember that's not every individual, that is all peoples and all tongues and all tribes will be blessed through Abraham because as we know from Revelation, there will be someone from every tribe and every tongue and every nation gathered around the throne of Christ. Remember that the blessing of Abraham to all nations isn't a physical blessing. It's not land and money and wealth, it's salvation, it's righteousness. And so this has been repeated a couple of times for us now already. In the last few days, we've seen this, that from the time in chapter 12 that God called Abraham to become and be a people, in chapter 12 where he said, through you the the nations will be blessed, and now here it is again being stated this way. Uh, multiple times in, in this short span of a few days that we've studied. Verse 19, he says, For I have chosen him, God speaking, he says, I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. And then the Lord said, "Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very great, or very grave," my translation says in the ESV, "I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know." So, growing up in church, hearing this story taught in youth, I think I think we quit teaching this maybe after youth group. But uh, one of the things Sodom and Gomorrah, we we'll see in the next chapter that. Uh, there was homosexuality happening, and a lot of people go, that's why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, because of the homosexuality. And that may have figured into a part of it, but it's not even the thing that God calls the most wretched. So in Ezekiel 16, 49 through 50, we get more details about Sodom and Gomorrah. And here's what he says were their sins. Here's the reason that he destroyed them. He said that they had pride. They had an excess of food. They lived in prosperous ease, but were not generous towards the, the poor. They overlooked the poor, Right and that they were arrogant and they committed abomination. So so what what I grew up being taught is well God destroyed them because of the homosexual lifestyle that they lived. That's that's last in a long list of things. There are other things here that God was destroying them for. Pride, excess excess food, prosperous ease, overlooking the poor. They were arrogant in their heart. And so this is the nature of Sodom and Gomorrah. They are exceedingly wicked cities, as we saw in Genesis 13, 13, verse 22. So the men turned from there and went down towards Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? This is a great question. Will God destroy the righteous along with the wicked? The answer is no, he will not do that. God is very, very uh, just, he's good, he's righteous, he's fair, and he will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. When you get these charlatan type preachers who get on TV after, you know, like her, Hurricane Katrina, and they say, this is God's judgment, all you got to do is ask, did any believers die? If anyone of faith died, right? If anyone of faith suffered, this is not God's judgment look, we live in a sinful fallen world. We live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. We live in a world that is, according to Romans 8, groaning for the return of Christ. And so are there natural disasters? Are there things that happen? Does sickness happen? Yes. But let me point out a couple of things, and we'll get to these eventually again in the course of the year. I'll remind you of this. But in Exodus for example when Moses is speaking to Pharaoh and saying you need to let the people of God go when God sends plague on the plagues on the Egyptians he makes a distinction and he sends a plague on the Egyptians but not on the Israelites that's key right or think about Matthew 13 where Jesus says um, he, he talks about the wheat and the tares. And he says that the wheat are the, the plants that were planted by God and the weeds, the tares were planted by the enemy, the devil. And the servants, the angels said, do you want us to go rip up the weeds and throw them in the fire? He goes, No. Because in doing that, you might accidentally pull up some of the wheat as well. Let them both grow to the end of the age. And at the end of the age, I'll remove my wheat and then we'll burn the weeds. Or consider Romans chapter 11, where it says, I believe in verses like 22 through 23, but I didn't make a note of it for right now. So I'll put it in in the blog notes. But Romans 11, where he says, what if God, though willing to demonstrate his wrath to the people who deserve his wrath, instead treated them with patience so that he could show greater grace to the objects of mercy. In other words, the reason that God isn't destroying the wicked right now is because there might be collateral damage with the righteous, and God is not okay with that. God wouldn't do that. Are there natural disasters in our world? Yes. Is it God targeting the wicked? No, because God is showing grace to the righteous. We live in a sinful, fallen world. And so uh, Abraham says, will you indeed sweep away the righteous or the wicked? The answer to that is, of course, no. And then Abraham's going to say, what if there are just 50 righteous there? Won't the judge of all the earth do what is just? What if there are 50 righteous there? You won't destroy Sodom for 50, will you? God goes, no, won't destroy it for 50. Abraham goes, sorry, I'm asking this. What if there are 45 there? You wouldn't destroy it for 45, would you? God says, no. Abraham says, all right, hold on. What if there are only 40 there? Are you going to destroy the whole city for 40 people? God goes, no, if there are 40 righteous there, I won't destroy it. And then Abraham asks the same question for 30, for 20, and for 10. God says, look, if there are 10 righteous there, I won't destroy the city. Because God is just. Because God will do what is right. Now let's jump down to chapter 19 and see what happens. Chapter 19, verse 1 says the two angels, or remember in chapter 18, there were three men. One's the Lord, and then now here we have the two angels. So chapter 19, verse 1, The two angels came to Sodom in the evening when Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth. You'll remember from Genesis 13 that Lot moved and pitched his tent in the direction of Sodom, and now he's living in the city of Sodom. And in verse 2, it says... Uh, Lot said, My lords, please turn aside to your servants' house, spend the night and wash your feet, that we may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we'll spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. But this is interesting again, right? Here again, they're eating. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the very last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you? Bring them out to us that we may know them or have relations with them, that they might have sex with them. So Lot went out to the men at the entrance and shut the door after them and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters. This is not great for Lot. This does not bode bode well for Lot. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do to them whatever you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the protection, under the shelter of my roof. They say, stand back. And they said, this fellow came as a sojourner, and he has become our judge. Look, there is not anything about uh, Genesis 19 that makes Lot look good. There's just not. He just doesn't come off well. We're going to see at the end of the chapter here in just a few minutes that God remembered Abraham. So he removed Lot from from Sodom before he destroyed it. God's about to destroy it. But here's the other thing you need to note. I made note of it in in the column here. I'll put it in the blog post. But 2 Peter 2, 7 through 8, three times in the space of two verses, the Bible tells us that Lot was a righteous man. And we see that the people of Sodom kind of feel that way about him too. They say, look, he came here as a stranger, and now he's trying to judge our behavior. He's condemning our behavior. So the men uh, are, are trying to get to Lot and break down the door. The angels reach out, pull Lot in, And then they strike the men with blindness. And so the Bible says the men are groping for the door all night long, trying to find the door all night long. They can't find it. And then the next morning, uh, they're going to flee the city. So it's Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And as they're fleeing the city, Lot's wife looks back. They're supposed to flee to this little city for safety because God can't destroy the city until they're gone. Why? Because the whole conversation he had with Abraham the day before I won't destroy the whole city if there's just 10 righteous in it. And what we see is there were a couple of righteous in it. And God removed the righteous before he destroyed the wicked. Keep that in mind. That's part of the story there. So he's removing Lot, this righteous man with his daughters. Lot's wife looks back, becomes a pillar of salt. I have no idea what that means, but it'll be mentioned in the book of Luke. And we'll probably come back to that later. And then look at this. This is uh, verse 28 and 29 of chapter 19, it says, and he, that's that's Abraham, looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land was going up like the smoke of a furnace. Pay attention to that language. It's the same language that's used throughout the Bible to deal with all of God's enemies. We'll see it for the last place in Revelation 19, when Babylon, the enemy, the spiritual enemy of God is destroyed. And all the people are rejoicing that the smoke of Babylon is going up like a furnace. And, and it, so verse 29 says, so it was that God destroyed the cities of the valley. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities of which Lot had lived. Now, Sodom is wicked. Sodom is wicked, no doubt about it. But I want you to consider Matthew 10, 15 and Matthew 11, 20 through 24. And in both of these places, Jesus talking to the Jews says, listen, if, the, if, I, if I had done the signs that I'm doing right now in front of you, if I did them in, in front of Sodom, they would have repented. And you're not repenting. He goes, if, if they had heard me preach these things and show these miraculous signs, the people of Sodom would have repented from their sin and turned to faith in me. And he says, you're more wicked than Sodom because you don't believe in Christ. You don't believe in me. And then he says this to the Jews who don't believe in Christ. He goes, it will be m- more bearable on the day of judgment for the people of Sodom than for you. So as bad as Sodom is, Sodom gets off easier than the people who deny Christ. So take that, pack that away, and uh, that will wrap us up for today. And I look forward to being with you again tomorrow. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for journeying with us today at Simpler Bible through another section of scripture where we come to know and understand God a little bit better. Look, if you're brand new to Simpler Bible, we have all sorts of resources available for you. Go to our website, simplerbible.com, and there you can find these videos, you can find our podcast, you can find links to our social media, and you can even find a blog post with additional scriptures if you want to go into a little bit more study than we had time to cover in this podcast and video today. We hope that this tool will be exactly that for you, a tool. Not something that replaces your daily walk with God, but something that enhances your daily walk with God and helps you to know and enjoy Him more. Thank you so much for being part of this, and we'll see you again tomorrow.